Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is the first episode, that's right, episode one of the 2023 podcast series where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft after a couple of months enjoying the summer college football is right around the corner that's right as of this taping on sunday july 31st we've got 27 days until the start of the college football season that's right the full slate of college football games doesn't really technically start until labor day weekend but we will get some games starting on saturday august 27th we're going to break down That weekend, as well as that full slate, who are the players that you should be keeping an eye out for? But this is really kind of an introductory to the 2023 draft class, really taking a look at each of the positions. We're going to talk through, do a position-by-the-position breakdown. But really what I want to do is, is kind of start off... We're going to talk about the offense here in the first podcast, and then in the second podcast, we'll talk defense before actually doing the positional breakdowns. Then we'll get into talking about the different conferences and then the actual matchups for that first week. So when we look at last year's draft, we talk about narratives. That's one of the things if you've listened to the Ready for the Draft podcast at all, we talk about narratives and what was the narrative for the 2022 NFL draft. Well, obviously, it was defense, right? You look at defense, and we had five defensive players taken in the top five picks. So, you know, Trayvon Walker going number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everyone was expecting it to be Aiden Hutchinson for the longest time. Then Trayvon Walker really got that momentum. Ultimately, Trent Baalke gets his guy there at one. Aiden Hutchinson going to the Lions at number two. A pair of cornerbacks come off the board at three and four. Third straight season, we've actually seen corners come off the board, two of them in the top 10. We'll talk about that in episode two of the podcast series, but Derek Stingley, Ahmad Gardner both coming off the board there, and then Kayvon Thibodeau coming off the board at number five. You get the edge rusher, another pass rusher there for the Giants. So we're used to seeing quarterbacks taken in the top five. So the fact that we had so many defensive players taken there, That really spoke to the lack of depth there at that quarterback position. Really at the top of the draft, only Kenny Pickett taken in round number one uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this was the first time that we actually had a quarterback that was not taken in the top three since 2013 when E.J. Manuel went number 16 overall to the Buffalo Bills. Now you remember that quarterback class really did not pan out. We had the likes of Geno Smith, Mike Lennon, Matt Barkley, Ryan Nassib, Tyler Wilson, and Landry Jones all taken in the first four rounds of the draft. Here's to hoping that Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Bailey Zappi, and Sam Howell have a different narrative than that 2013 class. This season, there's no question who's at the top. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, they'll be doing battle as the top quarterback taken. They may or may not be the first overall pick. We've got a guy by the name of Will Anderson Jr. who would have been the number one overall pick had he been draft eligible. To me, he looks a lot like what what Derek Thomas was able to do there at uh, at Alabama with the Crimson Tide. Um, So if there's a team that does not need a quarterback sitting at number one overall, then C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, chances are you're probably coming off the board two and three. But look, Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner, we know that he's a little undersized, six foot 194, 
with over 4,800 yards on 66.9% passing, 47 touchdowns, just seven interceptions. Such an intelligent passer. That was the thing. You know, the, the fact that he was small didn't mean a whole lot because he had the arm strength to throw to all three of the levels, being able to throw uh, not only vertically, but be able to throw the ball with accuracy outside the numbers, but just the intelligence, the anticipation, the ball placement, you know, just mature beyond his years. Then you have C.J. Stroud, fourth in the Heisman voting. 6'3", 215, the redshirt sophomore, over 4,400 yards through the air for the Buckeyes. 71.9% passing, 44 touchdowns, just six interceptions. These two will be doing battle to see who that number one quarterback is going to be coming off the board. You know, and, and it's going to be interesting. Look, you know, C.J. Stroud loses Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Still has Jackson Smith and Jigba, who we'll be talking about here in a minute. You also have Julian Fleming and Mecca Egbuka and uh, you know, a guy by the name of Mar Marvin Harrison Jr. on that team as well. So a lot of receiver weapons. When you look at Alabama, obviously when you talk about the, the Bama receiving core, you've got Justin Harrell, the speedster coming out of Louisville. You also have Jermaine Burton coming over from Georgia. SEC rival slides right on into that receiver position. Gone is Jamison Williams and all of that production that he brought. Uh, you know, you also get a running back uh, in Jameer Gibbs, the transfer from Georgia Tech. So a lot of weapons there for Bryce Young as well. It's really going to be interesting to see what happens there at the top of the draft uh, come April. But who's going to be number three? That's going to be the big question mark. We know who the top two are going to be. Number three, really when we look at the rest of this, this draft class, it, it reminds me somewhat of, of this past year in the 2022 draft with, with a lot of uh, question marks. Now, I think there's a more talented group this year, but still, we've got question marks in this group, and so it's really hard to really pinpoint who's going to be that guy. We've got Will Levis out of Kentucky. If you've been on social media at all, you know this is the guy that loves to take uh, you know, his coffee with mayonnaise coffee with mayo I, I i don't know about that but look kid you know good size strong arm but questionable decision making at times needs to cut down on the interceptions had 13 a season to go to go with those 24 touchdowns also wandale robinson no longer there he's gonna have to establish a connection with the new go-to receiver tyler van dyke big kid as a redshirt freshman there for miami six and three as a starter but look Five and one to close out the year. 66% passing, over 2,100 yards, 365 yards through the air, just uh, with 20 touchdowns and just three interceptions. I think he needs to improve some of his decision making at times, being able to see the entire field. But he's one of those guys that I, I, I see having. If he has a big year, we could see him making that conversation there. You know, really interesting at that number three spot. Then there's Devin Leary out of NC State. Only NC State quarterback, including Phillip Rivers, Russell Wilson, to actually throw four touchdowns against five ACC opponents and three consecutive games with four touchdown passes against ACC opponents. Uh, consistent ball placement, I think, for him. Also needs to work on the touch at times. Not everything needs to be a fastball. You know, make sure that you have some of that touch, get more air under the ball, allow his receivers to run under the football on a consistent basis. Then you've got Anthony Richardson. Look, you know, I think scouts are salivating over this guy. 6'4", 226 pounds, uh, very athletic there out of Florida. Great size, very athletic, but also very green. Needs to develop as a quarterback, the decision-making, see the whole field, understand situational football. He reminds me a lot of, of Malik Willis. There was all that hype about Willis and, and the athleticism and the arm strength and all of that. 
But at the end of the day, when you talk about his play on the field, there's a, Anthony Richardson, like Willis, has a long way to go. Then there's Utah's Cameron Rising. If you were to see this guy with his helmet off, he looks like he belongs in Pirates of the Caribbean with that pirate stash. But don't let that fool you. Dual threat quarterback, took the Pac-12 by storm in his first season under center. You know, can he build upon that Rose Bowl performance that saw him complete 77% of his passes against the Buckeyes through two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 92 yards on the ground with a touchdown as well. Cam Rising, another guy to keep an eye on there. I could see he and Tyler Van Dyke really moving up and, and surpassing some of these guys. Look, everybody's been talking about Will Levis. Everyone's talking about Anthony Richardson. Those are two guys in Van Dyke and, and, and Rising to really keep an eye on throughout the season. Then there's Phil Dracovic. Is this guy the next Big Ben? Big, strong, physical guy there in the pocket. Need, you know, He's finally healthy, needs to have a big year to really elevate his status. And then, of course, we have Keaton Slovis and Spencer Rattler. Both have new homes, moving on from USC and OU, respectively, to Pittsburgh and South Carolina. I think that's really going to be interesting uh, to, to really see how all of that plays out. And then uh, athletic SEC quarterbacks. you got Hendon Hooker. you got K.J. Jefferson. Look, K.J. Jefferson has that gimmicky offense where they like to have him run the football a ton. Really want to see him develop as a quarterback. Can he make that move? Um, that's going to be interesting to watch. But look, much like Coastal Carolina's Grayson McCall, when you look at, at Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers offense and the option that they run, and, and it's really interesting. They've got that option and the spread, that combo look. It's really interesting, kind of unorthodox uh, somewhat there, especially at the FBS level. Um, average arm strength but a guy who does a great job uh, running that offense. I just don't know if, if that's going to translate to the next level. You have to, to consider Jaron Hall there at BYU. Needs to have a big leap, though, there at that quarterback position. And don't sleep on Brennan Armstrong at Virginia. This is a guy, if he can stay healthy, have a big year, especially with those talented wideouts that he has there. I, I think we could be talking about Brennan Armstrong moving up some draft boards. So that's kind of the situation at the quarterback spot. We move on to running backs. No running backs taken in round number one in 2022. The Brees Hall, the fourth pick in the second round, already looks like he may be well on his way to having a big rookie year with the Jets. Uh, early on in training camp has looked great. This year, we, we expect at least one running back to be taken in round one in, in Texas' Bijan Robinson. Over 1,100 yards on the ground before a dislocated elbow against Kansas cut his season short. Look, against OU, Texas scored 28 points in the first quarter, and really, OU could not stop Robinson. But the Longhorns really went away from that, especially when Caleb Williams was making his run. Had they stuck with Bijan Robinson, man, that they, they should have won that game. Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Jaleel Billingsley, I know you're going to fall in love with that passing attack with all of those weapons, but at the end of the day, that offense really should run through Bijan Robinson. Moving on from him, Jameer Gibbs. I mentioned him, the transfer from Georgia Tech. And look, with a rambling wreck, he was an all-purpose back. This dude could also return kicks, and you see that with the way that he runs the football. So explosive, the start and stop, the ability to put his foot in the ground, cut on a dime. He's just a, a different dynamic than what Brian Robinson brought to the Crimson Tide a season ago. Zach Evans going to bring uh, speed and physicality to the SEC as a transfer from TCU to Ole Miss. Look, Lane Kiffin, he's talked about NIL deals, talked about the transfer portal. 
He's got Jackson Dart at quarterback, Michael Trigg at tight end. Also has Zach Evans there uh, to, to kind of lead things with that offense. Jonathan Mingo is going to be very happy as well uh, at that receiver position. Uh, you know, Tank Bigsby, a staple there in the SEC. So fun to watch. Bo Nix out, Zach Calzada battling uh, TJ Finley for the job. We should see a big dose of Tank Bigsby. Um, you know, if, if I'm Auburn, I, I lean on Tank as much as I can, at least early on, uh, because this is a talented running back, a guy who can catch the football out of the backfield as well. Over 1,000 yards on the ground, 10 touchdowns. Uh, I expect a big season out of him. And look, not just him, but how about Sean Tucker? Just under 1,500 yards as a sophomore. Excellent vision. You, you see his ability, especially in the outside zone, following those blockers, the, the, the vision to be able to set up those blocks as well, and then the explosiveness to get down the field. Um, and that forward lean between the tackles as well. 6'9", 60-meter uh, speed from the track team as well. But look, if we talk about speed, then you have to talk about Devin A. Shane. 6.63, 60-meters, 10.14,100-meter speed, 20.2, 200-meter speed. So when you're talking about that, I mean, that's that's world-class speed that we're talking about here. I mean, he could sit there if he really wanted to train. He could be an elite sprinter in the world of track and field. But when you're looking at him, you talk about it, 7.4 career yards per carry, 910 yards in 2021, and that's with sharing the backfield with Isaiah Spiller. Now it's his time. And look, he's not the biggest guy. I know that. But look, neither was Travis Etienne. Came off the board at, uh, you know, at, at round one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know Etienne. You know, he was the guy there at Clemson and so explosive. But Devin Shane has a chance to really make a name for himself there at AM and has a chance to really sneak up draft boards, potentially make his way into round number one because you just can't teach that type of speed. Zach Charbonnet, breakout season his first year with the Bruins, gives you power, quick feet between the tackles, while Travis Dye, over 1,200 yards on the ground, 46 receptions with the Ducks. He's now at USC where Lincoln Riley's going to bring with him that counterplay where they pull that tackle and guard. I love Travis Dye in that type of an offense. Expect those cross-town rivals to lead the Pac-12 group of running backs with Utah's Tavion Thomas. Look, a bigger back, 6'2", 221, over 1,100 yards in his first year since his move from Cincinnati. Those will be the three-headed monster out on the West Coast for sure. Then there's a diminutive Deuce Vaughn. Is he the next Darren Sproles? I mean, look, you know, this dude is is so tiny, yet so powerful. And then the explosiveness as well. He's a versatile weapon there. Plus the big backs, Chris Rodriguez in the SEC, Muhammad Ibrahim coming back from injury in the Big Ten. They should be fun to watch. And you can't forget another running back from Georgia. I think every year it seems like we've got one or two running backs that will be entering the draft. Latest what was James Cook. Now we're talking about Kenny McIntosh. He's ready for his turn there with the Bulldogs. Wide receivers. We mentioned that there were six wide receivers taken in the first 16 picks. Drake London, Garrett Wilson taken in the top 10. Saints and Lions then trade up to snag Chris Olave and Jamison Williams in 11 and 12. Washington, not to be outdone, trades up to number 16 overall. They get Jahan Dotson. So you're looking at that six receivers in the top 16 picks. Really, what is going to be in store for this 2023 class of wide receivers? I see three bona fide first rounders 
no question about that. The first one for me is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Look, 95 receptions, 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns last season as the number three weapon for C.J. Stroud. And if you ask Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, they'll tell you he was the most explosive weapon in that receiving core. But again, he did do much of the damage from the slot. So where is he going to line up this season? Can he continue to dominate like he did against Utah in that Rose Bowl? No Olave, no Wilson, no problem. 15 catches, 347 yards, three touchdowns. Utah knew what was coming at him, still couldn't stop him. That's what I said about Drake London entering the 2022 draft cycle. You know, with, with Drake London, teams knew that he was USC's offense during that 2021 college football season, and yet they could not stop him. The only thing that stopped him was that ankle injury. He was well on his way to becoming the Bolitnikoff Award winner with, with just all the production that he was showing out there. I'm looking for big things out of Drake London there with the Atlanta Falcons. And speaking of the Bolitnikoff Award, it actually went to Jordan Addison there at Pittsburgh, 100 receptions, just under 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns. That's with Mark Whipple as the offensive coordinator. Kenny Pickett at quarterback. We know Pickett's now with the Steelers. Mark Whipple moved on to Nebraska. Jordan Addison, now in Lincoln Riley's offense with Caleb Williams at quarterback there at USC. Expect fireworks in LA with Addison and company. Going to be interesting to see how he plays. Um, you know, can we expect a, another explosive season out of him? I, I think your know, odds right now, if you shake up the Magic Eight Ball, it's going to say signs point to yes. Kayshawn Boutte, six foot, 190 pounds, played in only six games in 2021 before an ankle injury knocked him out of action. Second ankle uh, ankle surgery kept him out of spring practice. When he went down with that ankle injury, he had nine touchdowns, which was leading the nation. The rest of the team, just eight total touchdowns. And to end that freshman year, 300 yards at the end of the season. This dude runs a 4-3-7-40 right around there. So another guy, very explosive. Expect big things from him there at LSU. So those are our three that I really see at the top of the draft. So then the question is going to be, who's next? Who could be this year's Jahan Dotson? You look at OU's Marvin Mims with his 22 yards per reception from a season ago. North Carolina's Josh Downs, 101 catches, over 1,300 yards receiving, catching passes from Sam Howell. Both of those guys are under six feet tall, both explosive playmakers down the football field. Bigger wideouts. We've got those two. A.T. Perry, Quinton Johnston, Cedric Tillman, all at least 6'3" all looking to crash the party in the first round. Then look, A.T. Perry went over 1,000 yards as a weapon on the outside for Sam Hartman there at Wake Forest. Big play threat. Keep an eye out for him. Cedric Tillman, 215 pounds, a physical receiver, went over 1,000 yards with 12 touchdowns. We'll also have his quarterback coming back in Hendon Hooker, dropping in those deep balls down the football field. While then there's Quinton Johnson out of TCU. Look, you know, he, he's six foot four. He's big. He's physical. Not used as often as you'd expect there in the Horn Frogs offense. Still over 19 yards per reception. Johnson actually had 52 more yards than through his first two seasons than Drake London, who wound up blowing up in 2021. Dedicated solely to to football. He was a two two sports star with basketball. Solely focused on. Football. We saw what happened with Drake London. Could we see something similar in Fort Worth with Johnston? You know, it remains to be seen, but I think everybody now in the Big 12 knows 
that that's going to be a guy to keep an eye out for. Max Duggan, though, you got to feed him the ball early and often. 50-50 balls, man, he eats those for lunch. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out as well with some of those bigger receivers. Look, Maryland. You don't think of Maryland and Virginia, for that matter, as two teams with, with – dynamic receiving options necessarily that's no, those aren't the programs that necessarily come to mind um but rakeem jarrett and dante demas they're at maryland demas coming off the leg injury you've got an explosive duo there uva i mentioned brandon armstrong's a guy to keep an eye out for you've got dontavian wicks keaton thompson look keaton thompson you know wears number 99 he does a little bit of everything a former quarterback as well they're a dynamic one-two punch there for Armstrong. Going to be fun to watch uh, for the Cavaliers. And then I think you have to look at, at Zay Flowers, especially with a, a, a healthy Phil Dracovic. And obviously w- without Jahan Dotson there um, in, in Happy Valley, you've got Parker Washington who's going to look to step up his game with Sean Clifford at the helm one more time, running it back again for the Nittany Lions there at quarterback. A lot of talented wideouts there at that wide receiver position really want to see where things kind of fall uh, as we head into the season a lot of promise but really right now I, I see three guys that I feel confident in being first round picks the other guys I really want to see them elevate their game Josh Downs I think might be that number four guy that sneaks into that first round as well we'll see how it plays in after that tight end position we know no tight ends were taken in the, in the first round. That was the second time in three years. But we had 18 tight ends. The most since 19 tight ends were taken in 2015 when Max Williams was the first tight end taken with the 55th overall pick in, in round number two. Trey McBride, also the 55th overall pick taken in round number two. So interesting with that dynamic there, 2015 and uh, the 2022 tight end classes. Now, I think depth, again, is going to be the, the, the position this year with several athletic tight ends. I think the most complete, though, at least right now, is Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, a good blocker, also racked up 840 receiving yards. But beyond him, again, a lot of guys that I expect to have big years. Sam Laporta out of Iowa, yet another NFL prospect. Uh, for the tight end position to come out of Iowa. A big target, develop strong chemistry with the quarterback, Spencer Petrus. Petrus really needs to be more consistent there at the quarterback position. That's why I didn't mention him when we were talking quarterbacks. Really want to see him progress if he's going to be in that conversation as a as a draft uh, draftable quarterback. Uh, Cameron Latu came to Alabama as a linebacker before switching to tight end in 2019. Was mainly a reserve until a breakout 2021 season. That saw him really... Take that tight end spot away from Jaleel Billingsley. 410 yards through the air, eight touchdowns for Latu. Expect big things, more chemistry being built there with him and Bryce Young. Now, speaking of Jaleel Billingsley, made some spectacular catches, even hit the 100-yard uh, the mark this past season against Southern Miss. But fell out of favor at Alabama, got in Nick Saban's doghouse, looking for a change of scenery in Texas with Steve Sarkeesian catching passes from, uh, from Quinn Ewers. Also a transfer that came in there from, from Ohio State. will be interesting to see how he's used in that offense, that athleticism. You know, especially if he runs a really fast 40 time, you could be talking about a guy that could sneak in to that first-round consideration, a la Evan Ingram. I just worry about what's going on between the ears 
why did he fall out of favor there at Alabama? I think that's that's the red flag that's worth looking into if I'm an NFL executive. Uh, Cameron Rising at Utah. He's got not one but two tight ends to, to really talk about it. Dalton Kincaid and Brant Keithy. Now, look, Keithy, veteran, well-known commodity in the Pac-12. He's undersized, 6'2", 230 pounds, already over 22 years of age. But then you've got Kincaid, finished his first full season with the Utes in 2021, scored a touchdown in five of his final six games of the season. Very exciting there in the Pac-12. But look, Pac-12 tight ends, they don't end in Salt Lake City. Oregon State, they've got 6'6", Luke Musgrave. Stanford, they've got 6'5", Ben Urasek. Now, Musgrave, better blocker of the two. Should see more time as a top tight end now that Tegan Katoriano's moved on. Urasek provided a, a downfield threat for Tanner McKee and company there at that quarterback position. 658 yards through the air. Had a two-game stretch where he had 11 receptions for 217 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, are we looking for a dynamic playmaker in the mold of Kyle Pitts at this tight end position? You're not going to find the physical freak that, that is Kyle Pitts, but you do have a guy by the name of Jaheim Bell at South Carolina who's probably the, the closest thing in this draft class. He and Eric Gilbert. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Eric Gilbert. Um, you know, when you look at Jaheim Bell, he is undersized, a 6'3", 230 pounds. So again, not the physical freak that Kyle Pitts is. But look, he put a stamp, you know, Bell did, put that stamp on his collegiate landscape with his performance in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Five catches, 159 yards. That's 31.9 yards per reception and two touchdowns. That included those two touchdowns, two 60-plus yard TD receptions in the first quarter of that game. And I mentioned Eric Gilbert. Look, he sat out the 2021 season due to personal reasons, transfer from LSU. Can be explosive, be a playmaker there for the Bulldogs. And, oh, yeah, the Bulldogs, they've got a trio of tight ends. Look, Brock Bowers is going to be the top tight end prospect in next year's draft. It's crazy he's only a sophomore. What he did as a freshman, unreal. But you do have 6'7", Darnell Washington. I think he'll, you know, he's going to play the entire season. Uh, you know, matchup nightmare. Just throw the ball up. 50-50 ball really becomes 80-20 when you're throwing the ball to a guy as big as Darnell Washington is. We go back to the Big Ten here for a second. Michigan's Eric All expected to be a key weapon in that offense. Balled out against Michigan State. 10 catches, 98 yards in that game. He'll be another tight end to keep an eye out for in Big Ten play. Now we move to that offensive line. And here's, when you think about that offensive line, there have been no commodities. People that we've talked about, people that you know we've really built up you know that, that conversation um, in terms of their draft stock. 2019, it was Jonah Williams. 2020, Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, Tristan Wirfs, all very known commodities. 2021, Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater. We were talking about Rashawn Slater and what he did to Chase Young the entire season, and he didn't even play that 2020 college football season. Then in 2022, Ike Evan Neal, Charles Cross. Charles Cross, we were talking about him, that retro freshman season. You know, Ike Iquanu, the physicality. Evan Neal have been a known commodity there at Bama. What do we have in this year's draft class at that offensive line position? Uh, again, a lot of talent, but a lot of guys that, you know, have just started to emerge and really it's going to depend on this 2022 college football season to really see how this offensive line shakes out. We kind of knew the roadmap going into some of the past seasons. This one, we're really going to have to kind of build on the fly. Now, 
we talk about the talent, you got Paris Johnson, played right guard, started all 13 games a season ago, was the number seven overall player, five-star recruit in 2020. He gets first crack at left tackle there for the Buckeyes. Keep an eye out for Paris Johnson. Expect big thanks from him. Peter Skaronski, undersized like Rashawn Slater there at Northwestern, looking for a signature game like Slater did that really proves he belongs at left tackle despite being undersized. A lot of people, much like they did with Slater, trying to put Skaronski at guard. I want to see what he could do at that left tackle position, put him against some of these elite pass rushers, and see what Skaronski can do. If he can hold up, he might be one of those guys that sneaks into that, that middle of the first round, much like Slater did. Jalen Duncan, veteran left tackle there at Maryland, 27 starts, excellent footwork for a guy who's 6'6", 320 pounds, big fan of his. Connor Galvin, Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year, 37 starts under his belt. Carter Warren at Pittsburgh, high-level left tackle, over 20, 20 starts to his credit as well, now blocking the blind slide of Keaton Slovis, Anton Harrison. Big dude, big physical, but also very flexible. Movement skills are off the charts. You know, you saw that, especially when he was getting out and pulling in those those run game, the, the run scheme there for, for Lincoln Riley. Now in Jeff Levy's offense, really want to see what Anton Harrison could do, potentially elevate his game. Zion Nelson, up and down 2021 season, made the right move coming back. Now he's being coached by Mario Cristobal physicality is really what Mario Cristobal preaches. Expect a big season out of Zion Nelson. Blake Freeland out of BYU, a very easy mover. Reminds me of Brady Christensen in the fact that they need to work on that lower half. Get stronger, more power. And I think of Jackson Kirkland of Washington as well. 6'8", struggles with leverage and power. You know, This was a guy very light on his feet, like Freeland. They struggle with that leverage, struggle with power for being as tall as they are. They really need to work on getting that lower body together and really work on pad level. This year's Mammoth Offensive Tackle, you know, he's not as big as Daniel Fa'alele, the 6'8", 400-pounder, but you've got uh, Dewan Jones out of Ohio State, the right tackle, 6'8", 350 pounds, a guy that we could probably see there in that day two consideration really want to see if he can elevate his game as well. But it's not just about the tackles. We also have to talk about the guards. And when you look at the guards, I think the theme over the last couple of years with the guards that have been taken in round number one is versatility. You look at Elijah Vera Tucker in 2021, played guard and tackle at USC. Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, Cole Strange. The first two both tackle and guard at AM and Boston College. Then you have Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. You know, could play a tackle, most likely going to be a guard or a center. And look, Bill Belichick kind of is a strange pick in round one, but at the end of the day, he fits Belichick's scheme so well. So when you're looking at it, when you're looking at the player, you're looking at the fit, you know, I, I can see why Belichick pulled the trigger there. When you talk about this group, I think the first guy that you have to start talking about, especially when you, you, you look at Elijah Vera Tucker, Andrew Voorhees out of USC, 6'6", 320 pounds, starting left guard, but like AVT, filled in at left tackle, showed elite movement skills. Another big season could vault him into day one consideration, much like Vera Tucker saw. Osiris Torrance, mammoth road grader, following Billy Napier from Louisiana to Florida. Want to see how he handles that step up in competition. 
you know, I look at him, I look at Ed Ingram, was a second round road grader there out of LSU. I think Osiris Torrance could follow in his footsteps there. When you look at the rest of this crop, a lot of it is, is tackles that really project to the guard position. I look at Nick Broker um, out of Mississippi, Cooper Beebe out of, out of Kansas State. Both play left tackle, but could project inside a guard. Garner day two consideration there. Broker is, is, a, is a senior, BB only a junior, but could decide to come out depending on that draft stock. Could we also expect Jordan McFadden, Braden Daniels, Broderick Jones, Ryan Hayes to do the same? Only Braden Daniels saw time at guard, but the first three that I mentioned, McFadden, Daniels, and Jones, undersized for the tackle position, while Ryan Hayes struggles with speed, could slide inside to guard at the next level, really take advantage of some of that physicality. Um, if nothing else, he's going to probably have to move over to that right side. You know, that conversation, you know, especially with Jordan McFadden, he's only 6'2", 310 pounds. You know, is he in the same mold of a, of a Peter Skaronsky where he's going to have to prove, hey, am I like an Isaiah win, or is it going to make more sense to kick him inside to guard? Um, you know, Braden Daniels, Broderick Jones, I think you're probably having that conversation. You know, th these guys could wind up being tackles at the next level, but I really have them slotted uh, as potential guards. One other offensive lineman uh, to, to keep in mind is Robert Scott Jr. out of Florida State. Tackle guard, probably more of a tackle at the next level. He'll be another guy to, to keep an eye out for as well. Then we move to the middle of that offensive line, the center position. That's right, the pivot. 2022. It was all about Tyler Linderbaum, right? You know, we talked about short arms. Is he going to be a, a first-round pick or not? Elite athleticism, elite playmaker, intelligent player, 25th overall pick in the draft. Do we have a guy like him in this draft? You know, my The answer really is no, which means in all likelihood we probably won't see a center drafted in round number one, right? Well, you know, that remains to be seen because I, I think with Tyler Linderbaum, you're talking about the, the lack of length. Jared Patterson, John Michael Schmitz, don't have to worry about that. These guys are much longer, much taller players than, than, than Linderbaum was. Um, you know, in the, in the case of, of Jared Patterson, though, you're talking about injuries. 34 starts to his credit, really anchored that Notre Dame offensive line. But look, Liz Frank injury in mid-November against Boston College kind of messed up his season, then had that torn peck in the weight room during the offseason, but should be ready to go come week one for the Irish. Then John Michael Schmitz. Look, this was a, a high-powered offense that P.J. Fleck had there with the Golden Gophers. A lot of offensive linemen um, that were talented there with, between Alele, Samuel Schluter, Blake An Blaze Andrews. But the guy that was the, the glue was John Michael Schmitz there in the middle. 23 starts, really anchored that position, you know, that veteran offensive line. He was really the anchor. You look at Cedric Van Praan uh, out of Georgia, a three-year starter. You've got the physical TCU Horn Frog, Steve Avila. Ricky Stromberg's a four-year starter for Arkansas. Then you've got Ola Sagan, Ola Wutimi, the transfer from Virginia. Alex Forsyth and Jake Renfro may be the best players on veteran offensive lines for Oregon and Cincinnati, respectively. Then you've got Grant Gibson, the easy mover from NC State. Powerhouse Brett Nealon out of USC to round out the group at the top of that center spot. Look, we didn't see a ton of centers taken, only six this past season, but I, I think we could see a change there. There are a lot of talented centers in this group. 
So I, I think you could see eight or nine centers drafted when we get to draft time in April. So that's a look at the offense, some of the names to really start being familiar with. We're going to break down the offense a little bit more position by position, really talk about my early top 10, really the guys to, to keep an eye out for. But uh, episode two, we'll be talking about the defense. We're going to make that transition. We'll be talking about the defensive line. Obviously, we know that there were four defensive ends taken in, in, uh, in 2021, another five in 2022. We know three taken in the top five. What does that look like at the defensive end position? Miles Murphy, Isaiah Foskey, you know, are, are going to headline that group. Defensive tackles, we know about Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, but another Georgia Bulldog is going to take center stage there. Look, Clemson, with their, their, their defensive line, you could have four defensive linemen drafted coming out of Clemson. So keep an eye out there for the Clemson Tigers. Linebackers, obviously we know about Will Anderson, but we're going to have to have that conversation about not only the edge rushers, but then also the inside backers. What does that look like? Who are we going to be seeing? A lot of guys came off the board on day two, both at the edge rush position there on the outside linebacker, along with the inside backers as well. Who's going to be in that next crop here uh, for the 2023 draft? Cornerbacks. I mentioned two corners in the top 10 in each of the last three seasons. I think we've got a couple of guys that could be knocking on the door there as well. And then the safety position. Then we had three safeties taken in round number one. Uh, are we going to see that happen again? Uh, in all likelihood, probably not. Um, but we do have a talented group of guys, some ball hawks, uh, some big physical guys there on the back end, some versatility as well. So a lot that we're going to get to cover. Uh, you know, I'll make sure to put that podcast out here in the next couple of days. And then from there, we'll start attacking each position. We'll go quarterbacks, running backs through the offense, transition to the defense, and that should set us up for the beginning of the college football season. So I hope you've enjoyed the content so far. We're going to go ahead and end things for now. But for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. College football season's right around the corner. I hope you are as excited as I am. Have a great week, everyone. Take care, and until next time, I am out of here.